A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's a dream growing up to get your own baggy green and, and wear it in a test match. Yeah, we're really going to celebrate this one. It's fantastic to bring the Ashes home. That was just an incredible experience to win the Ashes back is awesome. It's a, it's a dream if in a test match, but then to also get a hat-trick. Put that hat on. I think I'm not overly materialistic, but as a possession, certainly the baggy green is my absolute favourite. If you're given the opportunity to wear a baggy green, it's a really special occasion. A lot of great memories we'll take from this. Yeah, onwards here for, for the Southern Stars. Hello and welcome to Baggy Green Queens, a series by The Scoop podcast, celebrating the stories and people behind some of the most iconic moments in women's ashes history. This episode is brought to you by ComBank, proud supporters of women and girls who are changing the game. ComBank has partnered with women's cricket for 22 years. I'm Laura Jolly. And I'm Emily Cullen. Ahead of the 2022 Women's Ashes series, we're taking a dip into the archives to explore the rich history of the rivalry between Australia and England and to revisit some of the most magical moments in the 90-year history of the Women's Ashes. And our fourth baggy green queen to join us on the scoop is one of the all-time favourite characters among Aussie cricket. She's certainly one of my favourites. She'll hate me if I don't say she is my (laughs) favourite. It's Renee Farrell, one of the most passionate people you'll ever come across, and she absolutely loves the Ashes. So much so, she's got her baggy green number 156 tattooed on her foot. What a legend. Fezzi joined us earlier in the year to chat about her game-changing hat-trick in the 2011 Ashes test that helped wrestle back the trophy from England after five years. Yep, with England only needing a draw to retain the Ashes, the skipper at the time, Alex Blackwell, boldly declared 38 runs behind in an effort to force a result. And swing bowler Renee Farrell delivered with an incredible five-ball burst that completely turned the test on its head. Yep, it was an electrifying spell from the proud New South Wales girl on her home turf of Bankstown to help win back the Ashes. And Fezzi chats to us about the iconic celebrations on the field, as well as a few of the special moments with the team after what was looking like an unlikely victory. And we are stoked to welcome a legend of Aussie cricket and a true baggy green queen to the scoop today. We've got Renee Farrell. Fezzi, thank you for joining us today. Are you ready to take a trip down memory lane? Yeah, absolutely. Pleasure to be on your show today, ladies. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we've been waiting a long time to get my favourite player onto this podcast (laughs) and finally it's happened. So um, before we get stuck in, you played 101 games in the green and gold, more than 80 for the breakers and you're a legend of the Sydney Thunder. So give us the lowdown on how you got into cricket and how did you find yourself in the national team? Yeah, so basically um, just got into cricket, would play in the backyard with my brother, my grandpa, my mum. Um, my brother, Ben, he played junior cricket locally and I thought, you know what, I'll have a crack at that. Um, and yeah, I guess the rest from there was history sort of made junior girl representative teams. Um, so here in New South Wales, it's, uh, the Margaret Peden, um, that represented them for, and 
got into some New South Wales teams at the time I went through, being a little bit older. Uh, at that time, I think it was under-17s and under-19s, where that's changed a little bit now. And there's there's great opportunities for girls that are, that are much younger. Um, but, yeah, got recognised there and uh, made a New South Wales A team and played Sydney grade cricket. That Sydney grade first grade competition used to be a fantastic um, showcase of talent. You know, you'd have Stalaker, Gosco, Kitely, Hayes, all these players. So it was amazing to come up and play them week in, week out. And I think that really helped me as a cricketer. And they didn't sledge that much, but you were definitely intimidated by them because of who they were and the names that they had. And I was fortunate enough to debut for the New South Wales Breakers um, off the back of a, a couple of good performances in grade cricket for a number of years. And uh, from there, Lisa quietly sort of coached me and recognised me and from there made the Australian uh, team that year. And the rest just sort of fell into place after that. So it hasn't been easy. I had to move to WA to sort of get more of a, a go and get noticed. And, and that was hard as a 21-year-old uh, moving into state by yourself. Um but they took me on board and, and I do owe a lot to WA. So it was really nice to play them in the last game of my career in the final, even though they beat us. But um, they were very deserved winners. And, yeah, it was nice to have that sort of little bit of connection there with them as well. There you go. So it all paid off. And, Fez, you had plenty of career highlights. But as we know, we're here to discuss one particularly special Ashes moment. But firstly, you played three Ashes tests, 17 wickets to your name. What did the Ashes used to mean to you and did you always sort of love playing test cricket and was that something you always wanted to do growing up? Yeah, it definitely was. Growing up, we'd always watch the boys. It was hard to watch the girls with the coverage, but it's fantastic that we can watch every ball live now, um, which I do do. And I also watch every ball of every test match of nearly every men's game, especially when it's on a decent hour here in Sydney. So, yeah, I love test cricket. The history of the baggy green, I think it's something that... um, most cricketers do aspire to and, and want to wear. And um, I even have my baggy green number, 156, tattooed in Roman numerals on my foot. Ooh, and it nice. is right. I did make sure that the all the letters were correct and that 156 <laughs> was correct. I didn't want to make that mistake. But, yeah, it was something that I always dreamed of. And, I mean, I hear them talking about maybe two or three-day cricket coming into the women's schedule. And I was like, oh, do I want to make a comeback? Because I do love the longer format. <laughs> Go on. I think as a bowler, you love the longer format. Um, you know, T20 cricket, you just get pumped around the park. 50 over, you've got a little bit more time. But, yeah, definitely in the test match or longer format of the game, you have a bit more time to figure a batter out. And people say that fast bowlers aren't smart. Not that I was fast. We'll say slow, medium. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we've definitely got the brains. And so we want to talk about 2011 and that test match in Australia. Obviously, it was before the introduction of the multi-format series, so it was just a one-off test. And I think England already held the Ashes after winning them eight years prior. What do you remember about the lead-up to this test and and how had the team been travelling? Yeah, I think I didn't play in the last T20 game um, before the test match and the selector just said, we want to get you rested. And I was never the fittest player, I'll just put that out there, um, but wanted to get me rested and right for the test match. So I sort of knew um, this would be my second test match that I'd play. And so, again, that was really exciting. And um, being at Bankstown, um, I'm a St George girl and Bankstown Oval is pretty much a stone's throw away from where I live. So really special to play in Sydney. Um, I remember my mum was there, my grandma came to a couple of days. Unfortunately, she wasn't there for the day of the hat trick, which she's kicking herself about. But um, yeah, it was great having family and sort of the local girls that you either played alongside or against in club cricket. Uh, a lot of those came down to watch and um 
yeah, it was just a, a really exciting build-up again, which is around any test match, uh, any time that you play for Australia. So uh, I think we fielded first, and that's always nice because it puts the, the nerves at, at ease. Um, I was batting at number 11, though. I was just I was thinking about that, and I was like, oh, I'm better than a number, number 11. But um, I think Pez was in front of me at number 10, so I was like, oh, oh I'll take that sweet. So that was all right. But, um, yeah, we declared behind England. Um, I remember getting a message from Richard McInnes to just go out there and have a crack kind of thing, and I couldn't hit it off the square. And Pez is so technically correct that I think she was hitting them so well, but just to fielders. And I wish at that time of my career I'd, I knew the ramp shot because I probably would have pulled that out. But, uh, yeah, we declared behind them and, and that was seen as a risky move at the time. And, um, yeah, fortunate enough in the third innings to go out there and um, pick up a few wickets, including the hat trick. There you go. And so we'll just go back. So the makeup of that team, Alex Blackwell was your captain, Lisa Stalaker was in the team, Sarah Elliott, Shelley Nitschke, and then, as you said, a few current stars, Pez, Elise Healy, Rachel Haynes. Yeah. Talk us through what the team was like back then and did you always love being part of that that Aussie team? Yeah, always loved being a part of it. I was I remember I was roomed with Lisa Stalaker during the test match and believe it or not, Lisa was one of my favourite roommates alongside Sarah Andrews. Believe she it or was not, great. why wouldn't we believe it? <laughs> well, people know Lisa Stalaker and people think she can, you know, she likes to read her book and have her silence and I was great for her because I just put the telly on, put the feet up and just chill out. But we're perfect roommates. Um and when I did get the hat trick, she actually bought me a, a almond magnum ice cream after that day. And I knew that I'd made it with Lisa because she bought me dessert. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was a great team. I mean, people like the Midge or Elisa Healy and Pez, they were still very young. Rachel Haynes still making her way. But Sarah Elliott, one of the loveliest people you'll ever meet. Um, Shelly Nitschke is just a you know, barrel of last to have around. So there was a good mix of youth and experience. And yeah, it was just really fun to be a part of that team. And as you mentioned, England, Captain Charlotte Edwards won the toss, decided to have a bat. She scored 114 runs from 310 deliveries. Pretty solid, like wasn't it? <laughs> pretty tough batting day. Helped them to 207, but was that frustrating for you guys as bowlers? She was um, just staying in there and slowly ticking along? Yeah, well, initially, the first time I met Charlotte Edwards, I remember, oh, I forget what year it was, maybe 2006 or seven, when all the girls used to come out and play club cricket here. And we were watching a game of cricket and I uh, were at the SCG and I turned to her and I said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm Renee, do you play cricket? And people like Jenny Garn and Lydia Greenway just started, you know, having a good old <laughs> laugh and... Gunny was like, uh, Fez, she's the captain of England. And I was like, oh, no. So I think from ever, from that point of view, I've always put my foot in it with Lottie. But, um, look, she was, a, she was a great player and she really held that team together uh, for a long, long period of time. And, you know, she brought them a couple of World Cups, uh, one in – or two in 2009. Uh, the World Cup in Sydney and and the World Cup over in England, the T20. So she was a fantastic leader and you always knew that she was going to stick it out there in the middle. And, you know, that's what Test Match Cricket is, getting the 100 of, you know, 300 balls. And that is frustrating because at the end of the day, they only needed a draw to retain it. So she did the job for her team in that innings. Yeah, as you mentioned, Fez, she's one of the greatest the game has ever seen. What made her such a hard player to bowl to? Well, if you got her early on, because she just sort of planted her foot there and you'd always sort of target her pads. But for her, there was a, a, a small 
error, a small margin of error that you could have because if you went too straight, she was very strong off her pads. Mm. And if you went too wide, hoping it would swing back in for me as an in-swing bowler, it would just sit out there and she could easily play it through the covers. So, yeah, there was yeah small small margin where you could bowl to her and potentially get her out. And once she sort of faced those first 20, 30 balls and she was set, uh, yeah, she definitely went on from there. Except running between the wickets was a little bit dodgy. So we're always like, throw it to her and to make her finish the run just to make sure. So her knees got her in the end. But, yeah, she was a fantastic batter. And then as you mentioned Australia was six for 68. Not not the greatest response. As you mentioned, you were out batting with pairs and then Alex Blackmail made the unusual decision to declare behind. Was there a bit of chat amongst the team before that decision was made that you had to keep the the game moving? Yeah, well, yeah, the the message did come out to Pez and myself, so I can't say that. But, yeah, we just couldn't hit it off the square. And um, I guess Richard McInnes knew that we had to win and he wanted to keep the game moving. And I don't know if a few people agreed with the decision at the time, but, yeah, in hindsight, it was was a perfect call and I guess one that will be remembered. So, yeah, I think... was the right call but there was a bit of a little bit of oh have we done the right thing at that point in time so 48 runs behind England got to three for 35 in their second innings Charlotte Edwards and Jenny Gunn put on 57 runs looking like they're digging in again in for another long slog and it had England sort of poised to bat Australia out of the match and put themselves in an unbeatable position. What do you remember the discussions being like at this time and what were you guys planning to try and get these two out? I think it was just always make them play, make the batter play, because if you're making the batter play, you're either targeting the stumps, you're looking for an edge, you're looking at their pads, like you're looking for a way to actually get them out. So that was the conversation and it always is that old one brings two I know Warney's got this thing where if you add two wickets for 20 runs or something like that, then look at the scoreboard and you're in the game. So, I mean, I think that's what good Australian teams have always done. And it's always thinking that you're never going to lose. Like you always can, you know, one spell can change the game or one innings can, can turn a game. And I think that's just the Australian way that we think. Like we think that we can win from anywhere. Um, so I think, you know, that group that we had, like I say, we had the experience, but we also had the, the flashy youth of Healy, Perry that mm. would sort of be like, yeah, we're on board with this girls. So, yeah, I think it was always in our minds that anything could happen. And, yeah, it was fortunate that that was the game that I was able to put my hand up and, and change change the result, I guess. You sure did. So England, they were leading by 140 runs, cruising along. It was the fifth ball of your 11th over. And then finally you got the breakthrough. So Jenny Gunn was caught by Jess Cameron. And that was, was that the spark that you guys needed? And was everyone pretty up and about when that wicket finally came? Yeah, well, Jenny Gunn was one of my best mates. So it was Ah. like, you love getting your friends out, right? So, and yeah, soggy bucket hands, um, Cameron (laughs) in first slip there. Like she loves a wicket more than anyone too. So I know by my 11th over, I was probably cooked. So I was probably off the two step (laughs) and just bowling little pies. But no, um, yeah, it was great, great to get, Jenny out and and like I say that sort of mindset of that one wicket and it really just sparks the fielding team like you see it so many times in I guess test cricket but any format that there's big collapses and you know one wicket sends panic through the change room Mm -hmm. so um, I guess that that's what happened. It is so two overs later you've got the ball in hand again the first ball gets Charlotte Edwards for 28, trapped LBW. She'd batted for more than eight and a half hours in, in this test until this point and was probably the key wicket that you guys really needed. Looking back on the vision, it seems like it was an eternity before the umpire finally raised his finger. 
Yeah, probably. I mean, poor Charlotte probably couldn't move her feet after batting for eight hours. So I'm not surprised she got out LB. But I mean, yeah, like I say, like I mentioned earlier, she she was just that great batter that it'd stick around and be frustrating. So once we removed her, we kind of knew that there was bowlers to come. I know Catherine Brunt thinks she's an all-rounder, but she wasn't back then. So um, like, obviously she was still to come. But yeah, we sort of knew that if we could get her out, then we'd be into the into the bowlers and anything could happen from there. And so the very next delivery, Catherine Brunt, she plays on, and then Danny Hazel again, Mr. Fullball, LBW. Do you remember the plan leading into that hat-trick ball? Do you remember the plan that you had in your mind around what you were going to do to try and make this happen? No, I just remember all the fielders coming in, and I was like, oh, <laughs> like all I need to do is just execute what I've done before. And, like, there was nothing different. Uh, the ball was swinging a little bit, so it was try and get it full and, and just target the stumps, which was, like I say, which was the plan um, and has been my plan every time I bowl a ball in Test Match Cricket. It's make the batter play because mm-hmm. as a bowler, then you're in the game. Um, yeah. So, yeah, probably at that point, yeah, didn't overthink it. And I think I said in an interview afterwards that it was – after that had happened, like I was shaking and like I was, it was the next three <laughs> balls that I was more nervous about because I was like, what happens if I get smacked for like three balls and a, you know a couple of boundaries from here? So that'd be embarrassing. So um, probably didn't understand the magnitude of it at the time, yeah. um, and still don't like I'm just Fezzy Farrell, like you know, <laughs> yeah, don't really see it. But it's really nice to I guess have something that makes me different from other people that have played test match cricket that's kind of cool um I probably don't appreciate it that much now but you know maybe when I'm 40 50 and the the women's game is flying and you know it might sink in a little bit more and so it's just an epic celebration. We've been watching the vision back it a never few gets times, old. getting ready for this. <laughs> the appeal, the appeal on the, the Hadrick ball is unbelievable. And the celebration down on your knees, teammates <laughs> jumping on top of you. <laughs> like, was that a planned celebration? Is that just spontaneous? No, it just happened. Like, <laughs> I don't tend to plan yet. Well, you don't plan any celebration. And um, like, but I just love getting wickets. And it was like, yeah, just the appeal and then seeing the finger go up and, like, <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. So I, I thank uh, Paul Wilson. I'll never forget who gave it. So Blocker, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and then I think Alex Blackwell tripped over because in the fo- there's a photo where she's fallen over and Lisa's, like, smothering me and I'm, like, can't wait for that Magnum Lisa and Armand, please. And, um, yeah, it was just really cool that um, – yeah, like to have – it was like the respect of all your teammates and that's all you kind of look for in a team sport and um, and to feel like you've done your job and that sort of was, yeah, I guess emphasising and highlighting that that point. And the vision's floating around on the internet. Have you sat back and rewatched it many times? Not Come many on, times. I watched it when it came out on – I think Cricket Australia did a 20 bowling highlights in test matches or something and my neighbour was like who I went – we went down there for wine and cheese during the first COVID when we allowed five people in the house, so it wasn't illegal. And they're like, "Oh, I saw this." And so, um, yeah, we watched it a couple of times over some wine Crack and cheese. Wine but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, what else are you going to look at it? But um, Amen. yeah. So, so I did see it then, and it, and it brought back some nice memories. So. I mean, it's good to know it's floating around on the internet. If I have a feeling like I want to get back into cricket, maybe I'll watch that. (laughs) It'll always be there. Live on forever. 
So the test match goes on. After you tore through England's middle order, they went from a very strong position at three for 92 to being big trouble at seven for 95. And then they were eventually all out for 149. You finished with five for 23, which is a remarkable effort. Australia still needed 198 for victory. So that was it was Sarah Elliott who batted alongside Alex Blackwell. Uh, they put on 125 runs for the third wicket and the Aussies ended up winning by seven wickets and you claim back the Ashes for the first time in six years. Must have felt pretty pretty damn good to get those Ashes back in Australian hands. Yeah, it definitely was. And, and I'm not good at watching people bat or my team bat. I just feel yeah. so out of control. And that target of just under 200, it was a tricky target. Um, so to see sort of the calmness of, uh, Sarah Elliott and, and the seal, Alex Blackwell, be out there. So it, it did put your mind at ease a little bit. And, and then Lisa Stalaki came in and, and finished it off. So, yeah, it was um, a really special moment to see Stixie and um, uh, Shakes out there at the end and hugging and we're all hugging on the sideline. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a really special feeling. Obviously, like I said, having family and friends there, especially for me being a Sydney girl and a lot of Sydney girls in the teams. Yeah, to know that we were able to do it yeah, at a home ground and because and, I think it's the last test match that's been played like that So because now they've brought in the, the T20 and the one days and stuff attached to it. So, yeah, to know that we won the last one-off test, I think that's really cool. And so, Fezzi, talk us through the celebrations. Like, what was it like in the dressing room after that match and how did the girls celebrate a massive win. Yeah, well, I remember we had a, um, a like a slushy machine because it was seen as good hydration. But um, after we had won, it was seen as good hydration because we maybe put a bottle of vodka or two or something in there. I don't know who <laughs> nice. did that. But um, nice. yeah, so um, it was good spending time in the change rooms, having a few drinks in your baggy green while you're covered in champagne and <laughs> um, just enjoying each other's company. And I think that's what maybe something we could do, what we could have done probably better at the back end of my career is, you know, I feel at times we take wins for granted, but I think every win is special because you never know when it will happen again. You'll never know when it's your last game and all that. So, yeah, thinking about that, I know it was a test match and at an Australian level, but it's really nice to take the time to, you know, whether it's over a water, a hydrolyte or a beer, whatever it is, to sit, chat with your teammates, talk about the game, talk about something else, um, and just really spend time because that group will never be together again. Um, so, yeah, it's really special to think about sharing a drink and, um, yeah, reliving those times. And I'm sure if there's a reunion of, at any stage that um, there'll definitely be a few memories, especially of Alex falling over. So, yeah. <laughs> on so the ground, not, not, not after in the change room. She probably did, but I wouldn't remember <laughs> that either. But <laughs> Surely the 10-year reunion is needed this Surely. year. Absolutely. Surely. Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's get go to Bankstown. Oh, wait, we can't. We're in. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes. We're all in lockdown. We'll do it over Zoom. <laughs> oh, goodness. Fezzi, who was generally the best on in the change rooms after the match those days? Oh, Shelly Nitschke was always good for a joke. Um, she's probably a lot cooler and calmer these days now that she's coaching and, and yeah, a little bit more professional. Um, but you always had the two little rat bags as they were then in, in um, midget pairs. So Healy and Perry, they're always up to no good. So I think Healy's still a little bit like that, even though she's a little <laughs> bit older, hitting 30 now. But um, yeah, I think everyone sort of had their moments. I like to think that I was funny, but it probably just annoyed people. Um, <laughs> Rachel Haynes is always been quiet and professional and says what needs to be said and that's why you always listen to her but I mean after a few drinks everyone gets a little bit <laughs> a little bit talkative shall we say so um 
yeah, everyone, everyone was always good value. So that's all you can ask for. And, you know, obviously in women's sport, there's always going to be at times, but when it's needed, everyone comes together and, yeah, does the job. Love it. And no doubt you'll have a very close eye on this year's Ashes. Any predictions? The Pommy girls, I think uh, Sophia Dunkley, I was fortunate enough to play with her at the Surrey Stars in the nice. Kia Super League. And it's great to see that she's come a, a long way sort of from that first year to, to where she is now. She's like Miss Reliable, um, making some good quality runs and, and holding a wicket. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it'll be really good. I'm excited about it. Um, but it's also hard to watch because sometimes you want to be there, but the body wouldn't probably hold up that much Aww. now. So, you know, hitting 35 ladies, it's... <laughs> <laughs> How much would you have liked to have had the pink ball in hand under lights, twilight at the uh, at the Wacker? Oh, yeah. Maybe I should start training and tell Moddy I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I love that. I mean, probably the one of the hardest times in my career. I missed the test match. Um, might have been 2016 uh over in um England and um four days when it's your favorite format and, and sitting on the on the boundary four days consistently was really tough. So um yeah hopefully that the girls that are, are training now and um they're really putting their hand up to make that team because it is a hard four days slog if you're not selected. But there's a lot of paces that are coming through that um bowl good heat and we'll get some shape with that pink ball. So I don't envy the batters that have to face them. If it's Darcy Brown or Taylor bowling at 120 plus, um, I'd definitely be wearing a helmet, an arm guard, a chest guard if I was batting. So, um, yeah, it should be good. Good to see. It's interesting to see who'll be selected. So um, that, that, that's always that time of year, I guess, who's in good form. And, um, yeah, be interesting to see. 100%. It's going to be an epic summer of uh cricket over here in Australia but Fez you can watch on from the sidelines knowing that you'll always be a baggy green queen with that Ashes hat trick that we'll never forget so thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of The Scoop it was unreal to revisit that awesome hat trick moment with you and we'll we'll never stop watching the vision and we'll never stop talking about it especially the Ibis no the Ibis (laughs) thanks guys Um, it's been really cool walking down memory lane and um, lovely to see you both and um, yeah keep safe it's a dream growing up to get your own baggy green and, and wear it in a test match. Yeah, we're really going to celebrate this one. It's fantastic to bring the Ashes home. That was just an incredible experience to win the Ashes back is awesome. It's a, it's a dream if in a test match, but then to also get a hat-trick. Put that hat on. I think I'm not overly materialistic, but as a possession, certainly the baggy green is my absolute favourite. If you're given the opportunity to wear a baggy green, it's a really special occasion. A lot of great memories we'll take from this. Yeah, onwards here for, for the Southern Stars. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 